This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst at Oanda, with me going through the business headlines. Craig, good morning to you. Uh, let's start off with that stock market tumble versus around the world. What's going on? The latest moves that we're seeing in the UK, but also across Europe more generally with re- with regards to the coronavirus, has, uh, has sent people into a bit of a frenzy. Uh, I don't think it's going it's too extreme at this point in time already today. Uh, the futures market suggests we're opening a little bit higher, pairing some of those losses. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the memory, obviously, of the last kind of shutdowns, the last restrictions weigh heavily. And it seems that we are moving towards a point where life is going to become much more restrictive. And ultimately, that's extremely bad for business and the economy. And I think that's why we see the kind of moves that we saw uh, yesterday in many of these stock markets, particularly across Europe. We saw in the US over lockdown um, stocks really um, taken away from their sort of real economic um, connections. Um, so while economies were continuing to sort of either slow down entirely or begin to very slowly recover, um, the stock markets were just exploding. Do you think that this is a, a sense of reality coming back to markets? Especially in the US, we saw that at that, at that point, the, the, the tech stocks really overperformed and distorted uh, what, what the actual situation was really looking like over there. And even yesterday, you look at the, the FTSE ended down 3.38%. The S&P and Dow were between 1% and 2%. The Nasdaq even less so. Apple finished up 3%. So there is this uh, clearly this perception still that these tech stocks are pandemic proof mm. and that they are almost a safe haven in these uh, in these moments. Uh, so you could potentially see a similar situation evolving where the overall market is still suffering as a result of any restrictions and lockdowns which are imposed, but the tech sector continues to outperform and almost, uh, particularly in the US where it is far bigger than it is over here, continues to uh, drive stocks in, a, in, in an alternative direction. But I think Across Europe, the message is quite clear where the where the, the, the stock markets did very much end up in the red, more than 3%, more than 4% in some cases uh, as a result of the risk of these lockdowns. And I think obviously when we look at the numbers which are emerging with regards to cases, Europe does seem to be um, uh, right back in the firing line. Mm. What about commodities? Um, so at the beginning of the lockdown, obviously, oil took a hit. Now, OPEC had talked about getting back up to 97% of production by the end of the year. This must be a blow to their um, their forecasts. That became a, a kind of distant dream many weeks ago. Mm. And even uh, even last week when we saw the OPEC report uh, on, on oil demand and we saw the uh, IEA, the International Energy Administ- uh, Agency, their report on demand for the rest of the year and next those forecasts had already quite dramatically changed and it became quite evident that the the air travel the the, the even car travel um had been um, significantly reduced throughout that period and the the demand was not going to recover uh, on quite the same trajectory it was to be honest, it was quite a bold estimate anyway and i think anyone i spoke to kind of saw that saw those forecasts and thought they were a bit uh, overly optimistic Do you and think it exactly was just what's... about protecting the price at that point I think so. I think. I mean, I think that's an important part of what they're trying to do. But they don't want to always have to cut production in order, order to protect price. And I think we've seen the power of 
uh, of the voice uh, with regards to uh, central banks for many years now have believed that forward guidance has been an essential part of their policy toolkit and I think maybe OPEC was trying to adopt a similar action and we even saw uh, late last week the Saudi energy minister um, effectively threatening or uh, at least challenging uh, people in the market to go short on oil effectively saying that uh, it will be extremely painful uh, for Mm. them if they choose to do so effectively saying if you go short the market and the market does fall we'll just cut production and prices will bounce and you'll be hurt far more than we will so effectively challenging people to short the market unfortunately what's happened since means that oil fell 5% yesterday even despite these threats so now you're going to see an interesting standoff between the world's major oil producers and arguably the world's most important oil state and um, uh, and the broader markets because ultimately while you may have Fed stimulus, Bank of England stimulus, ECB stimulus, everything supporting these stock markets during these times of turmoil. Oil very much is just a supply-demand story. And therefore, when we do see big shocks, big potential shocks to demand, the price is going to fall regardless unless the supply side adjusts as it did previously in order to try and sustain these levels. So if this sell-off continues, I think it won't be too long before we see OPEC plus reconvene uh, and more production cuts are made. An expensive game of chicken. Um, let's move to the UK, where we have new coronavirus restrictions coming in this week. So from Thursday, um, pubs, bars, restaurants must all close at 10pm on the dot, um, and it, an end to um, bar service, so everything must be table service. It's quite a change from where we were a month or so ago, eat out to help out. We also have to remember that, for example, the Eat Out to Help Out scheme was about getting people into these places. And what the government's trying to do right now is not to stop people going in uh, altogether. It's to stop people going in during certain periods. Uh, they have long suggested, actually, that the transmission of the coronavirus seems to be taking place more during these kind of social gatherings uh, in the home or el- el- elsewhere. So I don't think they want people to stop going out to these businesses. They maybe just want to restrict um how how they behave while they are there and uh, the uh, the idea that post 10 o'clock maybe the the, the kind of social distancing it is not going to be as effective uh, as it will be prior to that for obvious reasons if there was an hour difference you know 10 p.m 11 uh, p.m in terms of last orders um obviously that 10 p.m um deadline is hard but can't you just imagine that people will be just drinking a little earlier in the evening or drinking even further if it is the the relaxing that is the issue here yeah absolutely and to be honest it, it's, it's it's a really tough balancing act i think let, let's be honest the government is in an unenviable position but as you say all that's going to happen is just going to slightly modify people's behavior and i don't think it's going to have too big a difference if i'm perfectly honest the biggest difference may just actually be felt uh, in terms of the ability of these businesses to actually make a living because mm. they've been they found life extremely tough their, their, their cost base has gone up you're making life harder during a critical part of their trade it's not like people are just going to start drinking at 4 p.m on a wednesday instead they people do still go to work it's those hours later on in a day when these pubs do make their trade so it's going to make life more difficult and it's also going to force people to reevaluate whether they want to go to the pubs at all or whether they just rather socialize at home and all of a sudden which obviously is the problem yeah exactly which Um, as i said earlier that's where this this disease seems to be mm. getting transmitted more so i think the government's making life harder for itself and almost making um, the rules more complex once again and as we've seen previously the 
more complicated these rules become, the less people pay attention, and that's mm. quite dangerous. It feels as though, and we've spoken about this on the programme before, uh, it's government by nudges. Um, so 10pm to 11pm is not going to make a huge amount of difference in terms of transmission of the disease, but it will make people think something has changed, this isn't normal, and that might modify people's behaviour. The problem, as you say, is these rules we've had in such quick succession that really there's uncertainty about where we are in terms of how, how serious the um, illness is and also how serious the rules are. So I think one thing's clear is that you... you you can understand the logic behind it. We, we've, we've both been in the pub uh, after 10 o'clock and you see that once the alcohol has been flowing and you can see that people's behaviour is changing. You can understand the logic or the rationale behind some of these uh, some of these decisions. But we are also both on social media and you can also see the people's reaction to all of these changes. And I think you've highlighted a, cl- a, a, a one earlier on. One minute the government's encouraging to you to eat out to help out and the next minute they are uh, telling you that you're not you shouldn't really be going out to, uh, at all especially not late on in the evening they're sending extremely mixed messages i think one of the risks here is the government's almost trying to be too clever despite the fact that you can see the rationale with some of these moves they're almost trying to be too clever to the point that they're appearing to at least undermine their own messages and that sends a confusing message to the people who you're asking to enforce it and so ultimately it leads people to decide that they don't need to because the government clearly doesn't believe everything that it's actually yeah. trying to tell you so and that, clever. that's a big risk in itself so clever that they appear to be stupid you're saying yeah absolutely i agreed back with the eat out to help out scheme and we've discussed this on the show before uh, and i think it was a, i think it was a huge success and i do think there is a difference between encouraging people to go to a restaurant where these socially distancing um efforts have been made to ensure that people can socially distance quite easily uh, and telling people that they don't necessarily want them in a pub late at night i do think there's a difference between the two but the, I, I think you I, I don't think everyone is going to necessarily agree with me first and foremost and I think many people are, are not going to necessarily see the difference and they're going to see it as just sending these very mixed messages and constantly changing your mind on what's acceptable uh, and I know that the, the alert level's gone up from three to four and therefore that de- that, that requires different uh, different approaches but equally we've, we've known that this is coming for some time, we know that the winter was coming, we know that a second wave was coming so people are going to be looking at this now and while I personally believe the Eat Out to Help Out scheme was a good idea and it was something that successful there's going to be many people now who are saying why did you spend all this government money why did you encourage people to go back to bars and restaurants which uh, if you don't believe it's a good idea and, and therefore you're undermining your own message and you're undermining your own efforts and as you say you're trying to be so clever that everyone ends up just thinking you're a bit stupid one more topic before i let you go overnight the editor of china's global daily uh, global times daily has said that beijing won't approve the the tiktok deal in the u.s now obviously chinese media being what it is um the global times daily we can assume that this is beijing's view this isn't uh, some kind of outrider um what does this mean in terms of i suppose the the run-up to the election this uh, this difficult foreign policy balancing act yeah it's long been suggested that uh, any for sale of tiktok was never going to be taken too easily and that it was never going to be too straightforward the Oracle deal seemed to be almost this kind of perfect tie-up. It allowed uh, China to save face. It allowed the U.S. to um, not uh, disappoint the the hundred million. Uh, subscribers uh, to the service the user based uh, just ahead of a, a, an election campaign and give people more reason to be almost frustrated uh, with the uh, Trump administration but it was always going to be this fine balancing act and it felt like they'd 
kind of struck a good deal that could potentially satisfy both sides. But clearly, if this is coming straight from Beijing, then it's not going to be that straightforward. It's almost as if Beijing is calling Trump's bluff, saying there's 100 million people here. You're going into an election. Every single vote counts uh, and you are behind in the polls. Do you really want to be the person who, uh, who whose final act almost uh, is to uh, disappoint and frustrate more than 100 million people. So that will be an interesting move as far as Beijing is concerned, uh, may potentially a small risk. But then again, it was long suggested prior to this that they may, be, they may see uh, something like TikTok as a sacrifice mm. worth making in the broader scheme of things. Craig, thank you for your time this morning. That's Craig Earlham, Senior Market Analyst at Awanda. The Business Breakfast on Jazz FM with Awanda. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Oh, oh, oh.